It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Welcome to the first episode of Who Do You Think You Are? I Am. I'm your host, Puma, alongside me, my co-host, Chenz. What's up? So let's dive right into it. Uh, right. Last week, let's do it. Uh, we got our Super Bowl participants. We sure did. Uh, your LA Rams. That's right. And the, once again, New England Patriots for oh, like man. the 10th time oh. in 15 years. This is exciting stuff. It's exciting. So let's talk about the first <clears> game. <throat> so Rams-Saints... Uh, Saints go up early. They go up thirteen nothing early. Mm-hmm. Um, I was shitting. Uh, from the last last episode we did, we talked about how I wanted the Saints, mm-hmm. how I wanted to get revenge on the Saints for them beating the Rams earlier in the season. Well, it was an unreleased episode, <coughs> so that's something oh, that if true. you right, right, right. do subscribe to and do become part Cats of our out family, of the bag. you will. Uh, get pieces of that episode. Uh, that episode is unlisted, so it's not open to the public just yet. But um, I was in Atlantic City. Uh, I was watching the game at uh, Bally's Casino. Uh, it was kind of nice being in New Jersey because I had money on the game. Uh, I had the over, which was 57, and I had I had the Rams. I was getting the three points. So I was just hoping you know, the game was going to end within three points and so I can come and, you know, collect my, my winnings. But it didn't look good early. It, you know, the, the Rams came out high flying. Oh, the Rams, I'm sorry. The Saints came out high flying right, right. and uh, came out to an early lead. There was an early turnover. And before you knew it, it was 13 nothing. and after the first quarter. So after that first quarter, you don't know what to expect. The Rams can't stop. The, the Rams can't stop the Saints offensively in the well and, uh, I mean they were they got out to that early lead but they weren't you know running all over them throwing all over them I mean they held them to field goals which was good yeah exactly but the fact of the matter was they were scoring and they got 13 nothing and I was like oh shit here we go they're, they're not going to be able to slow them down they're going to just keep you know Drew Brees going to keep doing his thing but man defense stepped up big Big time. Huge. Um, you know, I mean, holding them to field goals, because that game could have easily have been 21 nothing. Um, yeah. The Rams couldn't get anything going offensively. They were... Well, they put the fucking bowling ball, the human bowling ball, C.J. Anderson in. Yeah. And that he, he turned shit around. I don't know. I, when I was watching the game and Gurley was dropping passes. Dropped two of them well, that were big. So the first one was that one that went right through his hands, ended up being a pick. Set them up for another score. That was the first turnover. Right. That was like on their first possession. Yeah. And then on a screen pass, you know, this is something, even if you catch it, whatever, you get one, two yards. It's better than nothing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's better than a drop because I feel like the drop really mentally affects him, mm-hmm. you know? And he dropped that fucking pass it was right, right to him. He drops it. He wasn't rushing really well. Um, I hope that he's going to be okay for the Super Bowl. He, all the interviews that he's done so far, 
He's handled everything he's like He's handled pro. everything really well. And he's he's understanding that he sucked. He's taking the blame. Well, look at his stat line. He had four they only he only had four rushing attempts for right, ten yards. Exactly. He did have a touchdown though. Yeah, but that was but that was, that was from that was from that was from uh I think it was a four yard rush. It was close to the goal line. But okay, so half his half his rushing yards <laughs> came on his touchdown run that was right there. Mm-hmm. Other than that, he didn't do shit. He had three targets for one reception yeah, I mean, and three yards. So th- those two drops is those what I Those two drops, about. yeah, exactly. Um, and then C.J. Anderson really, you know, both teams really had trouble rushing the ball. And in that unlisted episode, I talked about how I think the team that was going to have the most success was the team that could run the ball. And the Rams had success against the Cowboys in, this, in the yeah. divisional round because both, they were able to run the ball. Guys, both guys had big games. Yes. And... C.J. Anderson with 16 for 44, um, and his longest yard run was eight yards. Yeah, so but that's still so not great numbers, Mm-mm. still, but better than Gurley. Well, and, better than Gurley, and he just kept the chains moving forward. And he he was the lead rusher in the game. You know, if you exactly. look at the Saints, well, yeah, that, that, so the defense. Yeah, the defense has really shut down the up. rush. Uh, Mark Ingram had nine rushes for 31 yards. Uh, his longest run was half of those yards. It was 16. And Kamara only had eight attempts. So there was only seven. Between both teams, there were maybe 20 rushing attempts. Looking at it here, Robert Woods had two. Gurley had two. The fullback had a rush. Uh, Goff had three. And then if you look here at the Saints, you know, three. Uh, Breeze had two. Hill had one. Ingram and Kamara had 17 combined. Uh, and then 18. So, you know, it was very a very pass-heavy game. Breeze went 26 for 40 for 249, two touchdowns and an interception. Goff went 25 for 40 mm-hmm. for 297 with a touchdown and a pick as well. But pretty good. I mean, completion percentage is 62.5%. Yeah, he had a, a quarterback rating of 83. But that, I think it was in the, four, the third quarter. When they started, the Rams started to really gain momentum. Well, and at halftime, it was 13-10. The Rams didn't score in the first quarter, and then they put up a 10 spot in the right. second quarter, and they held the Saints to 13. So right. going into the locker room, it's 13-10. It's yeah. a game. Yeah. It's a game. And, you know, my, my over, which I thought when they played a couple of weeks ago when the Saints beat the Rams, it was a high-scoring game. Mm-hmm. Both teams put up 30-plus points. Um, but then in the third quarter... It was, they traded touchdowns. It was 7-7. Seven, seven. Mm-hmm. Um, and then now we get to the fourth quarter. And it's the Rams are, are still down. And they get a break. Well, before we get into the botchery of the non-flag and the pass interference call. Okay. Because um, I have a really big issue with how the NFL handled that. Um they did miss two face masks, face masks on Goff. Yes. So if I, you really want to talk about things evening out, even though it was the the PI should have been a PI, mm-hmm. um, it evened out because maybe they're not in that situation if they get those two face they get those face mask calls and maybe they score a touchdown instead of kicking a field goal. Um, but the turning point and the biggest point in the game was that non flag was the, the fact that they didn't throw the flag and they should have thrown the flag. Um, and everybody in the casino, we were watching the game, you know, by the sports book. It was awesome. Uh, 
we, I mean me and my girlfriend went up together and she was actually into the game, which I was surprised. And then she got antsy and she didn't want to watch the second game, but I kind of forced her. It was a a six-yard rush, by the way, by Gurley. Yes. That was close. (laughs) Close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades, but it is what it is. (laughs) Um, But... Let's go to this. Let's go to the big, the big part of the game. Rams have the ball on the 15-yard line, third down. Pass by Breeze and the cornerback completely, completely <laughs> is face guarding the receiver. Doesn't turn his head and just annihilates the um, the receiver. And there's no flag. Yeah. You got Sean Payton going berserk. Yep. I personally think even though my heart was with the Rams because of my situation, it should have been a flag. The flag should have been thrown. Yeah. Even though they missed the face mask calls. I agree. It should have been a call. I agree. It should have been. I'm a Rams fan. You know this. Um, but I agree 100%. I was watching the game. I could not believe that they let that shit slide. I was nervous because I saw it happen. I'm like, here we go. What a stupid penalty to give up at this time. And they didn't call it. I could not believe it. I really, I don't know. People are saying pass interference won helmet to helmet or led with the helmet. He did lead with the crown of his helmet. Right. So that's another call that they sh- that they should have called there, they're saying. Mm-hmm. Besides the pass interference, that call alone. It was really bad. And the NFL's covering it up by finding the guy, twenty six k. So, yeah. That's what I wanted to get into. So, so, and I mean, then that's the, bullshit. But you know what? Even over the course of the season, the NFL has come out and said, "Oh, we missed this call. Oh, we missed that call." Hmm. You know what? You know, as a umpire, where I umpire games, and when I was trained, one of the things my, the the guy who trained us said: never admit you missed the call, because then it shows weakness. It shows the fact that you can't get it right in big situations. And now, outside of the fine, the NFL is coming up and saying, well, you know what? We might make these, these plays reviewable. Right. And you know what? You can't make those plays reviewable because they're judgment calls. Just because you don't get a flag doesn't mean you can throw the challenge flag and be like, oh, yeah, by the way, it is a penalty. Here's your 15 yards or, or the spot of the ball, wherever it happens. That can't, that, that's going to ruin the game. And now you're going to slow mean, down the gonna game even further. You're going to slow it down, right. You're right. going to slow the game down even further. You're going to... In fact, you're going to take away the integrity of the game. You know, every sport has a ref or an umpire or something. Human error is part of yeah, sports. Exactly. Missing a call, making up for a call. You know, an umpire strikes Sony, misses a strike. You know, they miss a call first base, whatever. Now they in the MLB, you can review calls at first base, and that slows the game down too. You know what? There are certain plays in MLB history that would be taken away because of a review. You know, like in the that World Series with the Cardinals and the and the Royals in the '80s. You know, when that umpire blew the call at first base, he was blatantly out. Hmm. But that changed the the complexion of the series, and um, I think that it's just asinine to sit here and say, "Oh, well, you know what? We understand we got it wrong. We're going to admit we got it wrong, and then we're going to change the rules." You can't do that. I don't think that's right. You know, you missed the call. Fine, you missed the call. And did it affect the outcome of the game? Not really. Only because both teams possessed the ball in overtime. The Rams won the toss. Uh, the, yeah. the Saints won the toss. They couldn't get it. They punted away. Or they threw that pick, actually. Mm-hmm. They threw a pick. The Rams went down, kicked the field goal, game over. Yeah, I mean... Which was a bomb, by the way. 
like a 57-yard field goal. Oh, he's Zerline Greg, Greg DeLig. Yeah. He's the man. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no, I agree. You can't make those kind of calls reviewable. I don't know. I can't reference an, an exact call from the past, but I'm willing to bet that that's not the first time a call like that has been missed or maybe not the exact Every week. pass interference situation, it, but it, a, a bad call has always been missed. It's part of the game. You have to accept it. Saints fans are upset, and that's fine. Like, I, I completely agree. You'd be pissed, too, if the shoe was Again, the again, Rams fan here saying that I agree it was a missed call, but you cannot do anything about it now. And to even think about going back, and, I mean, what do, you, what do you want to happen? Like, people are complaining about the, the fine. Yeah, okay, it's a shitty little slap on my wrist. Like, okay, yeah, here you go. We missed a call. Here's here's a fine. You're still going to the Super Bowl. You're still going to the Super Bowl. What are we going to do? Like, what, are these, what do these people want? Do they want to replay the game from that point on? Like, what the fuck do you really expect to happen at this point? It sucks. It sucks. But you know what? I'm Honestly, I'm fucking sick and tired of hearing about it. It happened literally last week. Just stop bitching, all right? You never know. It might happen next year. You might have another chance. Might turn. You might be on the other side of it now. You know who knows? Exactly. You know who knows? But you can't. You cannot eliminate that. You you have to have the referees just ref the fucking game. Enough with the reviewing. We already do too much reviewing, challenging. Can't do that kind of call. A no. catch, um, a spot, fine. And the, the catch, they they still don't even fucking know what's a catch. Exactly. He's got to make a football. Move. Oh my god! What the fuck? All these fucking rules. Did he catch the ball? Yes or no? No, he didn't catch it. Great. Let's it hit re- the ground. Let's, do, let's, let's redo move. it. Let's move on. Oh, he had one one hand on the ball. The other hand was on his was on his balls, and then one foot was up the other guy's ass. Like, what the fuck, man? Did he catch the ball? Was he standing in the grass, or was he on behind the fucking white line? I mean, that's it. You have lines, right? Use them. Use the fucking lines. That's it. Enough with the. I'm sick of this shit. Too many fucking rules. You know, it, it, it's. There's so many. You can go back to so many calls. That Des Bryant call a couple of years ago. Oh yeah. The call with Cal- Calvin Johnson, uh, a couple of years before that. You know, there are so many instances where. Gone too soon. You know. Yeah, exactly. But you know what? It's it's it's. They say they has to make a football move, but on the sideline, it's if he gets two feet down and possesses the ball through the ground, it's a catch. So. He's bobbling the ball on the way down. He didn't have full possession of the ball mm-hmm. as he was going down. The game is moving so fast. Grown men are banging into each other. Can you allow for just a little bit of movement of the of the football when it's in your hands? Come yeah. on, man. But, but in retrospect, in the after everything settled, after everything, the Rams came through. They came back. It was a great game. You it know, was a great game. It was a great uh, game. Both games were good. Yeah. Well, all right. So. I didn't see the second game because I, I was going to our boy. You like him, I think. Maniscalco. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sebastian. I was, going, I was going to him at the Garden. Great show. He always puts on a good time. But uh, they were playing the game throughout MSG. Uh, our seats were behind like those. Those like, screens? No, 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 no. Um, like where the fucking the media guys usually sit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those little booths that kind of mm-hmm. hang over and had the monitors there. We were sitting right behind there, and I was watching the game from like a distance. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't see the I didn't see most of it. I also missed the big controversy with controversy with this. Yes, definitely. So 
now we have our NFC representative. It's the Rams. Rams. Uh, there was actually a video that came out. Oh, wait. So, uh, sorry, I got to time this out. Uh, side note, one of my students is a, is a kindergartner. He's five years old. He's a Rams fan. He's a fucking Rams fan. How now, this the kid, hell did that happen? No, no, this kid, let me tell you, this kid is going to be a fucking beast in sports. He's His coordination for his level is unheard of. So every time he sees me, no matter where I am, he sees me, he just goes like this. Let's go Rams. Let's go. He starts pumping his fists. He starts going into his whole like passionate fan mode. Mm-hmm. He's an animal. He's five years old. But uh, just had to get that out of the way. Love <laughs> the kid. So with that being said, like like we talked about, 25, uh, 26, 23 final. Uh, I walked away with a nice chunk of change. I got the under wrong, but I got the, the I got the game right. So you know, I was I picked the over. It came in and under. You know, it was kind of a low, uh, even though they both scored over 20, uh, almost over 25 points, you know, it was still a low, lower scoring game than I think everybody anticipated. Um, but yeah, now, I mean, compared to the first time they played. I think the better game of the two was the later game, which was the AFC Championship against the, Can- the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes against Tom Brady's New England Patriots. And, you know, the, that game kind of started the same way. One team came out firing. It was 14 nothing at the halftime. Uh, the Chiefs couldn't get anything started. They did hunker down defensively, but the offense couldn't get anything started. Um, Mahomes struggled, but they went into the locker room, came out, and it was a totally different Chiefs team, and mm-hmm. uh, it came out. It was such a great game, um, you know, especially that fourth quarter. You know, we could skip everything that happened in the first three quarters and because the, the score was... Uh, 17-7 going into the fourth quarter, and again I had I had the Chiefs getting giving three, and I had the over. So, you know I'm sitting there thinking, okay, this game's not going over. Again, you know I I picked the wrong thing again, but you know and and it looked like I was going to lose the game outright. But that fourth quarter was one of the most best quarters of football I've ever watched hmm. between both teams. The Chiefs put up 24 points, and the Patriots put up 14. So, you know, you ended up with a 31-31 final at the end. And But now here you go again with the talking about rules and fair and what's not fair in overtime, where they changed the rules already for overtime, where it used to just be sudden death, whoever scored first. Mm-hmm. Now both teams have a chance to possess the ball unless the first team right. scores a touchdown right. or a defensive touchdown is scored. Mm-hmm. So the uh, the the Patriots go down. I I like that rule better though. I like the rule better too. But at the same time, both teams aren't guaranteed possession of the ball. And who knows if they are, the Chiefs the Chiefs might go down and answer that touchdown and they still might be playing. You know, you never know. But I think that when it's all said and done, the um the game was the game was great. It was even. Um uh, if you look, if you look at the numbers, Brady was thirty for forty six for three fifty, but a touch. He only had one touchdown. He did throw two interceptions, uh, which is very unbrady like in a playoff. But game. they had four rushing TDs. Yeah, well, that's the thing. And from from who? Everybody. Uh, uh, James White ran all over everybody. No, I'm just saying. Uh, not White. I'm saying uh, Rex Burkhead. Sonny Michael. Rex Burkhead had two. Sonny Michael had two. And two for him. Fucking no names. Twenty nine. Uh, Michael was twenty nine at uh, one thirteen and two. 
Yeah. And as long as your run was 11 yards. But if you noticed, it, well, you didn't watch the game. I did. What I noticed is every first down, they were running the ball. The Patriots were running the ball. Running the ball, running the ball, and the Chiefs didn't have an answer for them. And um, if you look on the opposite side, on the Chiefs' offense, they had no running game. Damien Williams went 10 for 30. He did have a 40, touchdown. 41 rushing yards for the Chiefs compared to 176 for the Pats. And Pats had 36 <laughs> first downs compared to the Chiefs' 18. And they still put up 31 points. That just shows you how explosive right. that offense is. It's and how it good just, Mahomes is. It just shows how big the passing plays are for the Chiefs. Yeah. They cover more ground per play than the, the Patriots. The Patriots march down, they rack up first downs, and they finish it off. The Chiefs bomb it down mm-hmm. and they convert. But like I think there's something to be said about the Patriots methodical play. You know? Looking at uh their time of yeah, possession. Yeah, the time of possession, exactly. You know? So everything is doubled. I mean, first downs, 36 to 18, that's double. Time of possession, 40, almost 44 minutes for the Pats and 21 minutes for the Chiefs. That's you fucking know, huge. And, they, and, and fourth down conversions. I mean, that's a little thing, but something to be said. One for two for the Pats and Chiefs didn't take one, but converting a fourth down is a killer. It is. And if you even look at their third down conversion, yeah, they were 13 19. for 19. It's fucking awesome. You know, the, the, that means that the Kansas City defense had 19 times to get off the field and they only got off the field six, six. times. Yeah. You know, that that's that's the thing. You know, I, I just said the game was even, but I, I'm only saying the game was even because if you look at the numbers, you would think that you the think- Patriots would out, just ran the Chiefs out the building. But... <laughs> It wasn't the case. I mean, they had a 524 total yards compared to the Chiefs' 290. Uh, you know, rushing yards was 176 to 41. I mean, it, lo- it looks like a blowout. But you know what? They, they, it was a great game. You know what? You really Sometimes you can't look at the numbers. As much as the story as the numbers give you, you really got to watch the game and really see what's going on within the game itself. Um, you know, and in that final quarter, you know, we're talking about rules and, and, and challenges and stuff. There were like three or four different challenges in the fourth quarter. There was a catch by Hogan that was reviewed. That was up, that was upheld. That was a third down too. That could have got them off the field. There was another review that got, there was a, a punt that Edelman came up mm-hmm. and it looked, it looked like he didn't touch it, but it looked like he touched it. It wasn't conclusive and it was ruled a fumble. And they overturned it and gave the Patriots the ball. But if you watch the replay, it it's really hard to tell. I mean, I personally thought it was a fumble. I thought the ball, I saw the ball move. But you this know, this is what? the one it hit off the ground. It kind of like skipped, like a short hop almost. He, Edelman came up and was waving his hands like, "I'm not going to touch it. I'm going to let it go." And then he tried to fake them out and go feel the ball. And he came up and hopped. And it skidded, but it skidded over him. But it skidded over him to a point where it looked like his thumb, or his, or part of his arm, kicked the ball out. You know, the same situation happened to the Giants. Uh, the second time they went to the Super Bowl, there was a muff punt in overtime, and they were able to take advantage of it. You know, in my opinion, is it's you can't turn the ball over. And the Patriots turned the ball over twice, and they still won the game. Usually, if you win the turnover battle, you win the game. But that wasn't the case. I would like to see the breakdown of 
time by half since the Chiefs basically outscored the Pat- the Patriots in the, in the second, second half. half. They still only finished with 21, 21 minutes of, uh, of possession time. Yeah, they know? didn't really possess the ball. and It was a lot of three and outs in the first half for the Chiefs. That's what I'm saying. And that's incredible that the, that I would love to know what their time was in the first half, how small it was. Well, you know what? Football is a game, like a lot of sports, are, game, are inches. One inch this way, one inch that way. It's a different, it's a different outcome, and this and it's interesting because the NFL is kind of giving in to the Saints because of the PI, but they're not talking about the muffed punt. They're not talking about the catch that wasn't a catch. You know, they're kind of letting that be, but that's why it doesn't make sense. You can't talk about one and then not talk about the other. You got to talk about both. Hmm. And you know, I, I personally think. Both teams deserve not to lose, but you need to have a winner, you need to have a loser. And, of course, the Patriots came up and, you know, this is the other thing. The, the, the Patriots took the lead late in the game and Mahomes drove them down with 30 seconds to go to kick a field goal that sent it into overtime. Right. So, if now if you're talking strategy and time management, the, the Chiefs kind of shot themselves in the foot because they gave Brady too much time. Mm. They scored too early. And, you know, everybody talks about scoring late and time management and stuff like that. Take the air out of the ball. Run the clock down. Deflategate? Well, no pun intended. <laughs> Slow the game down. And, you know, don't give Brady that extra possession in the fourth quarter. Then, so the point where they they can either take the lead, tie the game, and send it in overtime. Because Brady's track record, you knew once that game was over in overtime and they won the toss, the game was over. Uh, it was only a matter of time. But, you know, with that being said, we have our NFC and AFC representatives, Patriots-Rams. It's a replay, rematch of the 1999, or no, no, 2001. Yes. The 2001 Super Bowl, when the Rams were not the L.A. Rams, they were the St. Louis Rams. Yep. And, you know, Kurt Warner was their quarterback, Marshall Falk, and the Adam Venateri kicked the field goal to win the game as time expired, who is coming back for another season, by the way. I saw that. Uh, old man Venateri. Uh, in his well, 40s, still kicking field goals. Yeah, so the biggest thing for me, I'm very excited. I would love to have seen Chiefs-Rams because I, when, they, when they played on Monday night earlier in the year, it was fucking insane. They put up like 90-something points combined. It was no, insane. I think it was over 100. Was it over 100? Yeah, check that shit. So I'm excited because... Like you said, it's a rematch. And when I first started becoming a Rams fan, I was a, I was a youngin. Uh, 54-51, the final of that right. game. Right. So I believe I started following the Rams when I was in third grade. 1999, they were in the Super Bowl. And, you know, a little kid, you want, like, the, the good team to win. You get behind them. You know, my family's not big on football, so I didn't have, like, that kind of affiliation already mm-hmm. like you do with the Giants. So I kind of just, you know what? I'm going to pick the Rams, stuck with them through through thick and thin and really bad fucking years. And the when that when that situa- when that Super Bowl happened against the Patriots, that was Tom Brady's, you know, debut, right? And he took he took everyone by surprise. I was pissed. And ever since that day, I hated Tom Brady. But Tom Brady, obviously, I have to respect him and I respect Belichick and the oh, whole the whole system. Yeah. It, it works. It it it's proven. 
Gotta respect it. But I'm fucking excited because now the tide has turned. Back then, it was Warner and Falk who were established, right? And Brady was the young guy. Now, years later, Brady's still around, but he's the old guy. And now you have Goff, Gurley, the young Rams coming to town. It was the greatest show on turf. And now they call the Rams the greatest show on surf. I love it. <laughs> so rematch, and I hope it's a I hope it's a fucking win for the Rams, man. I would love to see them beat Brady. I hope so too. I mean, it it, it was kind of a calling card for all Giant fans that he couldn't beat the Giants in the Super Bowl, and he beat everybody else. And with Philly beating them last year, you know, it's in the NFC in the in the NFC East, but. You know, you can't beat the NFC East. So now let, let's let's transition a little bit here. We we talked about football. Um, we're gonna talk more football next week. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, let, let's wait for some reports to come out. Maybe something will come out about Gurley. Maybe something will come out about Well as of now they're saying scheme. they're saying he's media healthy. Day. Media right day is saying... gonna come out because that's when a lot of fun stuff happens with Media Day. Um, so one of the other sports that is kind of headed towards a labor stoppage or player strike or a lockout is Major League Baseball. And when we recorded two weeks ago, we thought by the time we sat down again, Harper and Machado would be signed or close to signing. And two weeks later, we're in the same spot. Mm. Why? I feel like we're like further than ever. Yeah. We're further than than last time. You know, there are new this is reports like no now. speculation. Nothing. Nothing. And you know, I think that the CBA that was signed in 2017 that's set to expire in 2021. Yep. I think at 2021 you're going to see a strike, you're going to see something labor related. Um because the system for the players is flawed. The system for the players is they get at, they get to free agency too late in their career and every team finds a problem with them. And whether it's their age or their their production is going down cuz they're getting older, it doesn't give the player a opportunity to sell their best stuff because their best years might be behind them. You know, Aaron Judge is not going to be a free agent until his early 30s. You really think he's going to get a, a contract he really deserves? No. He's going to be making the minimum. He's going to hit arbitration. And he's going to get his... He'll get his millions, but he's not going to get that 10-year, $300 million contract because <laughs> he'll be forty in his 40s at the end of the 10-year deal. Right. And I think that what's going to happen is the players are going to come in and they're going to say, listen, we need a better system so we can get to free agency earlier so we can make our money you know they always talk about how many contracts you get as a professional and in baseball you're only going to get one maybe two maybe two if you're lucky so right now the way it's constituted is they have the team has control of you for six years once you start your clock so when you get called up to the majors the clock starts and you get six years and if these players are getting called up at 24, 25, you know, their sixth year, the last year, they're 30, they're 31, they're 32, you know, and then you have some of these players who come up later 
in their career. They they blossom later at 27 or 28, and they're not going to hit free agency till they're they're early to mid 30s. Mm. So, you know, that's where it's flawed. And if you really look at it, you are the t the 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 owners are playing the system where it happened to Chris Bryant, it happened to Glaber Torres, uh, in recent memory. They sit and they wait and they wait. Chris Bryant should have been on the opening day roster his rookie year, but they held him for two years or two weeks. I'm sorry, they held him for two weeks so that they can get that extra year of control. Yeah. So technically now it's seven years. It's not six. And they did the same thing with Torres, with the Yankees did the same thing with Torres last year. Yep. It's They waited, they waited, they waited, and then when they were able to gain that next year of control, they brought him up, even though he might have been ready to start on the opening day roster. So you're controlling these players in a sense that you're not giving them an opportunity to make money because you want that extra year of control. So I think what's going to happen is they're gonna the players are going to come in and they're going to want to cut the years of control in half. So instead of it being six years, it'll be three, which is fair. I think it's fair. You know, I think it's better for baseball if their young studs and their young players and stars are getting paid earlier in their career. And because you're talking about a, a, a sport that makes billions and billions of dollars. And when you have the Yankees and these big market teams, you know, Boston has got the highest payroll, which is weird because in the years past they were the team that didn't have the highest payroll uh they had a bunch of workman type guys that you know were like a Doug Mankiewicz or a Kevin Millar uh type guy you know these idiot type players that everybody comes and learns to love um but you there needs to be a change or there's going to be a strike and you might not have a season in 2021 because of the fact that the system is flawed. And what you can do is in other sports, like I think in hockey they do this, they have restricted free agency where they can talk to other teams and get an offer sheet and they have to bring the offer sheet back to their team and say, this is what I was offered. You can either let me walk or you can match the deal. And if they match the deal, they sign with the team. So they don't have the freedom to go and be unrestricted and sign with whoever they want. They have to check back with the team that, that, that has their rights. So I think that's something they could talk about and maybe work into. Um, but, you know, I really don't like the future because of the fact that you have two players that are 26 years old, that are the young, that the, that are with Trout, are the faces of yep. this of this sport. Absolutely. And they're not, there's no movement. There's nothing. I remember when, when A-Rod was a free agent, when, they, when he signed with Texas, you know, there were teams. The Texas Rangers signed him for ten years and two seventy five. Hmm. No, actually, I'm wrong. It was ten years and two fifty. He's the second contract was two seventy five. So ten years, two fifty. Te- the Texas Rangers signed that deal because there was no luxury tax. There was no nothing. You know, I understand competitive balance. These teams in the Midwest are smaller budgeted. They're they don't have the same budget as a team on the coast on with the Yankees and the Dodgers. You know. I mean, the Miami Marlins payroll is going to be like $30 million. Like, I understand that, and it's revenue sharing, and, you know, you want to keep everybody happy. But at the same time, if it's hurting your brand, it's hurting your players, and it's hurting your sport, you got to make a change. You know what? The, the, change the revenue sharing, change the luxury tax, 
So these teams, these money teams that can spend the money, you know, if you go to a Yankee game and they're good, you're spending almost $500 to sit on field level. You know, why am I going to spend $500 when my team is not going to go out and spend the money because they're worried about a friggin' luxury tax? It's bullshit. It's bullshit. I don't know. Do you agree or... You know, you're yeah. just letting me go on a rant here. And I mean, it's, it's you're passionate about it. Well, you know what? I don't understand it. I don't understand it. They're 26 years old. I know. It's no, not like I, they're 30. I hear you. And everybody's saying, oh, they're waiting for Trout. They're waiting for Trout. Everybody's waiting for Trout. Trout's going to be even older, and they're going to find a problem with him too. Oh, he's going to be too old. We can't give him a long-term contract because he'll be in his 40s. Or, you know. He, his production is going to go down because he's going to get older. The back end of the contract is going to be worth it. But like what the Yankees did with um, with a, with A-Rod, that second contract that he signed, that 10-year deal, the last three years were, were empty. It was really a seven-year deal. But they got a World Series out of it. They got a World Series out of the CC contract. They got a World Series out of the Teixeira contract, out of the Burnett contract. Even though some of those contracts didn't work out, at the end, they worked out in the beginning. So do you want to pay for now and worry about the the, the, the future later or do you want to be tight stringed and cost yourself potentially a World Series because you didn't go sign the guy that you needed um, yeah I mean I want to be successful as soon as possible mm -hmm. and when you sign a guy like Machado and Harper you're not getting an old guy uh, these guys that the Yankees were signing you know especially Burnett that was a great reference he was crucial to that World Series win but he wasn't like a fucking Young guy, he certainly wasn't a dominant player. And they ended up trading him. He's to not even. Anyway. He's not even. He wasn't even close to the level of skill and how like like Machado and Harper are now. These guys should be on teams without a question. What I want to know is: is it the team? Why can't the team just offer a a, a smaller? year contract like less less years can they they can have they and is it machado and harper saying no we want bigger contracts well the well the thing is is in baseball the contracts are guaranteed so if you sign that 10-year contract you're guaranteed for 10 years right. so why would you want to sign no i i get it why would you want to sign a five-year four, four years less money but you're guaranteed four years as opposed to a 10-year contract i hear you Mm -hmm. So, but now whose fault is that now? It's kind of on the. It's. it's I think the blame can be spread out between both parties. I understand. I understand the, the player wants to look out for themselves, right? They want to protect. They want to have their own back, right? Mm -hmm. But you got to be a little bit flexible. I think. I'm I, not saying four years. That was, a, that was a big exaggeration. Well, I think, like I said, and I say it again: eight years, two seventy-five would get a Machado. I think it would get... I think the Yankees can still do it. I think so, too. I mean, and I think... I wouldn't be surprised if they did. The only... that We have two figures for, for these players. Machado, right now, the offer was, I think, was 175 from the White Sox. You know, if if it's 175 I don't see why Troy Tulowitzki and DJ LeMahieu is stopping you from signing uh, Manny Machado. You know, if you could get him for eight years and two fifteen, dude, eight years, he's gonna know. be thirty four by the end of it. Yeah, perfect. You know, not you know, even if he signs a ten year deal, he's gonna be thirty six. 
You know, baseball is kind of a sport where you get better with age. Mm, no. Yes. No. I think so. I disagree. I think Big so. Big time. I think so because the reason why I say that is I'm not talking about into your late into your late 30s. Dude, 36. I, I That's old. But I still think Jeter played shortstop till he was 40. Yeah? And was he, he was, the same Jeter? He wasn't the same Jeter okay. at, the, at the, last, the last two years of now, his career. Now, what, what, what part of his game was most affected by age? His defense. Okay. But, but, now, you're not paying for a fucking... You're not, Manny Machado is not just a DH. Well, at you're not the, just paying for his bat. At the end of the okay, year... Okay, yeah, then you can structure the contract in that way, sure. But everyone's... The big debate with this is like, oh, uh, Machado and Andujar... Like, Andujar can be just as good of a hitter as Manny Machado when he gets to his age, right? That's the thing that they're saying. Because Andujar was a great hitter last year. But the fielding, oh, the fielding's so bad for Andujar, right? And you, baseball guy, pointed out that, you know, you hear people talking about it's his arm strength, and you're like, no, he's got a fucking cannon. It's, it's his footwork. Don't get me started on right? that. We'll, we'll, we won't even. We won't even you know, go there. The it's, uneducated sports fan. We won't go there. See, we I'm won't going, go there. I'm going there. Fuck. I'm going there. The uneducated Yankee fan is saying, oh, go get Machado, and it's because Andujar's for the defense. Re- for the record, this was not me. No, this was not you, but because I, I've taught you better than that. But the point is, is that you can't. Look at Andujar and say it's his arm, and it's this, and it's that. He's got a major league bat. He's got a cannon. He's got a yeah, hose he does. He does. for an arm. Yeah. It's his footwork. Okay? If you know anything about baseball, you there's two parts to every play. you got to field the ball, and you got to make the throw. Okay? If your Makes footwork, sense. If your footwork is off, the throw might not be on target. But that's not because of arm strength. That's because of technique, okay? When I coach my kids, I teach them, feel the ball from the ground up, stay low, stay underneath, okay? That's what you really need to look at. That's what is important when you're talking about fielding and glove work. You can't say, oh, it's his, it's his, it's his arm strength. It's not. It's his footwork. And the, and the Yankees even came out and said, it's his footwork, Okay. Boone went down to the, the to Dominican Republic and saw, um, watched them and said, you know, who is a third baseman, by the way, who played third base? So he knows what he's talking about. He said his footwork looks better. Who said this? Uh, Aaron Boone. Um, his footwork looks better. They're not worried about his arm. So if you don't know what you're talking about, shut up. So now they were saying, I think you, you said it earlier today when we were just bullshitting, that they say that Andohar has the work ethic... He has the work ethic. He's of, working of hard. Wade Boggs. Yeah. That he can improve pretty quickly. Yeah, and Wade Boggs wasn't a good defensive third baseman either. He got better as he, as he developed. So I like to hear <laughs> that. And not for nothing. I want to see what he's going to do this year. I want Machado. Don't get me wrong. But you can have Machado and Andrew. Of course. You don't need to get rid of him. Of course, which is what I was going to get to next is Machado comes in. You want to keep Andujar, let him develop. Now it comes to Didi. Well, you know what? I think that you're going to have to make a choice eventually. And this is the thing. I don't want to trade Andujar for I, a 30-year-old pitcher and cooler. No, exactly. I don't want to trade Andujar for a 30-year-old Bumgarner. If I'm going to trade Andujar, I'm trading him for a pitcher that is controlled. I'm trading him for a young pitcher. Like, and it would never happen, but like a Blake Snell or like a man. Michael Fulmer oh, or man. somebody like that. 
I'm not Snell, trading him Snell for in a Kluber. Yankees uniform just for some reason seems so right. But I'm not trading him for the the, the pitchers that are out there now. I'm not trading no, no, him I for agree. Kluber. Kluber's 32 years old. Okay, I'm not trading him for. I'm not trading a 22-year-old controlled player. Now we're talking about years of control for a pitcher <coughs> that's going to be a free agent. Not happening. But you agree that the Yankees, their moves so far, you like the moves so far. Um, the pitching. Let's start with the pitching moves. <coughs> I like Paxton. Yep. I like the. I like that they brought back Hap. Yep. Those are T-friendly contracts. That bullpen yeah. <clears throat> is nasty. Oof. Is going to be nasty. I Oof. think it's better than last year. I think Adovino is better because everybody's saying Adovino just replaced it. Robertson. I think Adovino is better than Robertson. Yeah. You know, and oh, he's nasty. Just going before we start talking about the bullpen because I want to get into the Adovino I, signing. Okay, go, go, go. Um, go. one of the things that doesn't make sense either with this whole Harper Machado thing is that the Dodgers. Unloaded mm. a bunch of outfielders. Yeah, yeah. They unloaded Puig. They unloaded Kemp. They unloaded the contracts. They traded them to the Reds. Goodbye. See you later. And everybody thought, oh, that's a lock for the Dodgers to go sign. Um, Reds making moves, by the way. Yeah, and they traded for Sonny Gray. They took our garbage. Dude, watch Sonny Gray oh, it'll go, happen. go to work in the, in the fucking Reds. So... Instead, instead of the Dodgers going out and signing Harper right away, they go and sign A.J. Pollock for four years. Now, A.J. Pollock is a great player, good player, has problems with staying healthy, but he signed a four-year deal for $55 million with a player opt-out after the third and a player option for the fifth. So he's 30, and he's 31 years old. So this can be a contract that runs to his 36-year-old season. So you go sign him instead of saying, okay, we have the position on Harper. Let's go get him and let's go push it. And they didn't do that. So it doesn't make sense. They went with the cheaper option because what's four years, $55 million turn out to? I mean, 50, uh, what's 50 thir- times like four? $13 million. So it's $13 million. With and then if it is a right now it's a three year deal guaranteed, so it's three years, so three years at thirteen million, so if it's it's fifty five million after four, and then it could be a fifth year deal, five year deal, which might bring it to seventy million. Oh no, yeah, seventy million. Let's just say, so if you're gonna pay a thirty one year old, um, that much money when you can go, it's sixteen and a half million a year. Wow, I was way off. So, if if it's a three year deal, let's say, well, oh, it, okay, well, yeah. no, hold on a second. Now, we, now these, we're arguing over math over here. Well, these these deals. This are is real. what this is what uh, the baseball world has come through, right, Puma? Say fucking saber crunching crunching numbers. Bullshit. Uh, so he has an opt out after the third year, so it's a guaranteed three years. So if you times that by sixteen and a half, it's forty nine. It's a forty. It's a fifty million dollar contract. So. Which doesn't make sense either because it's a reported $55 million deal. Um, so the way it just doesn't make sense. It, it, it doesn't make sense how these contracts are now um, opted. Same thing with the Britain deal. It's like an opt out after two, but if the Yankees buy in, it's, an, it's a four year deal. Uh, it, it just doesn't make sense because they're crunching numbers to save money. They're not, they're, it's like the girl that you want to date 
and it's like, okay, I will sign you to a two a two date contract, but if I opt in, it's a four date contract. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. It, you know what? These teens are <laughs> half in, half out. You can't be half pregnant. You can't be half pregnant. You can't say, well, you're you're old, so we'll give you a four year deal, but it can really be a two year deal. Like these type of contracts are new. I it think, was never I think, like that. I think that example was a lot better than your dating example. Well, you know, it, it you know, you, you try some examples on the fly and if it works, it works. But that's not the point. The point is is that these contracts and this is why we're leading towards the labor stoppage. But, you know, back to the Yankees and back to talking about, you know, the hometown team here. You know, we don't cover the other little brother, um, even though they did sign Justin Wilson, uh, who couldn't throw a strike. But that's besides the point. Um, Adovino signing. Now you have Chapman, Betanzas, Britton, and Adovino. Two lefties, two pa- two power lefties, two power righties. Adovino slider is oh, magnificent, nasty, and you know, but. That's not the story with Adovino. And Adovino is going to be the first Yankee player ever mm. to wear zero, mm. which is the last double single-digit number with the Yankees. And he's the first one to ever wear it. Um, he actually had to get approval from the Yankees before he decided to take that number. Uh, but now I want to test your baseball knowledge here. Oh, shit. Can you name... The single-digit numbers that are retired in order. In one, order. In order. Oh, one fuck. through ten. Floor's yours. Number one. Who's number one? I'm going in order here. I didn't stutter. All right. One. Uh, Billy Martin. Billy Martin. Two. Two Jeter. Jeter. Uh, three. Babe Ruth. Four. Gehrig. Five. DiMaggio. Mm-hmm. Six. Six. Should I play the Jeopardy thinking song right now? Don't get, don't. I feel like I'm trying to think what player. Before my hair turns gray. Not a player. Joe Torre. There we go. It took you long enough. Joe Torre. Well, I was thinking players. Torre, number seven. Uh, Mickey Mantle. Eight. Uh, Yogi. And eight was retired twice. Oh, see, this is some bullshit. <laughs> Yogi was eight. That's right. But there was another eight. I don't think you're going to get this one. On a phone, a friend? Gidry? No, Gidry was 49. Oh. Hold on. Eight. Another catcher. Another catcher? Mm-hmm. Before Yogi. He was a catcher before Yogi. Oh, God. Oh, Whitey Ford? No, he was 16. Chairman was of the he, board. Was he even a and catcher? No, he was not. He was a pitcher. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, you guys see what I deal with here. All right, I'm going to help you out because you're digging your own hole here. All right, go. No, no, don't finish it. I know the rest. Just tell me who's Bill other- Dickey. Oh, Bill Dickey. That's what I was thinking of. Bill Dickey. And where are we? Nine? Roger Maris. Maris and ten. And ten, Phil Rizzuto. Phil Rizzuto. There you go. Rizzuto. Rizzuto. Those are Z's. Rizzuto is not a word. He's a baseball player. 
Oh, Billy Madison, what a great movie that was. You know, Bian- I hate school you know, and I hate all of you. You know, Bianca has never seen Billy Madison. Oh, we're name dropping now? Yeah, why not? Mm. Well, she's definitely deprived. I'm like, I can't believe you haven't seen that movie. Well, don't worry. Steph hasn't seen Star Wars and I'm, I'm forcibly plugging away. Where she saw the original trilogy, she saw the first prequel, and she fell asleep during the second prequel. But I'm trying. I'm working. I told her she had to watch all nine of them. Or actually all ten of them before episode nine comes out in December. Uh, for the record, I am a Star Wars fan. So if you guys haven't put that connection together already. But um, but yeah, out of, you know, first person to wear zero. Mm. Uh, kind of happy that you knew most of them. You know, it's always tough. I can name all the retired numbers. I'm not going to do it right now. It'll take too long because there's so many of them. But I can name all the retired numbers. Um, but you know what? It's 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 an honor for him and to be the last one to wear a single-digit number. And you know what? Once he comes and goes, because they're not going to retire his number, um, for him at <laughs> least, um, you'll see zero again with the Yankees when somebody else comes up that wants to wear it. And hopefully it's a generational talent that can, you know, end it. Before we know yeah, it, the Yankees are going to be wearing triple-digit numbers. Make a legacy for himself. Mm-hmm. So, now, with baseball, you know, I think that's pretty much everything that we're going on here, that's going on here. Uh, there's really no other movement anywhere else. Um, you know, other than the Sonny Gray trade. Um, which I like. Which I like, too. You know, they got a good prospect. Yep. They got the pick. They got the sandwich pick. Um, I think that, you know, it was the right thing to do for the player. Uh, he even came out and said that he wants, you know, you want to play where you're wanted. So he didn't feel wanted with the Yankees. Um, but it's important. You didn't, you didn't fucking. You didn't do anything. You didn't do anything, man. You know. It's just not, you're not going to get your hand held over here. You no. got You come over here, you got to fucking show up every time. That's the pressure that comes with playing in, in, for the Yankees. Forget about New York. Everyone says, oh, that's the pressure that comes with playing in New York. The Knicks have no fucking pressure. All right. The fucking Jets don't put pressure on people. The Mets either. The Mets, all right, maybe. But <laughs> you play for the fucking Yankees. Like growing up, everybody that we knew, all our friends, you want to be a fucking Yankee. And I and we always say like, oh, if you can go back and be any athlete and like live their life, who would you pick? Derek Cheater. Ba- basketball people, football people, hockey people. Whoever the fuck you are, everybody in picked, New York. Everybody picked Derek Jeter. Unless you're a hater. Who the hell does not want to be the shortstop for the Yankees? On top of that, pretty good looking guy, and we know his we know his track record of women he's had. He, they they came out with like the Jeter nine, Holy and they filled fuck. in every position. But you see, he kept that shit under wraps. You didn't hear shit about it. No, that's the way. And now he's married to a smoke who's like half his age. Dude, he won. He won life. <laughs> and he's still winning. Dude, he's the man. He's the fucking man. Um, so now that we've talked about we've like you know, now we're talking about Jeter and his Oh, well, I wanna say what happened with Canley? Tomley Canley? They don't know what's going on. He had an off year last year, his velocity was down, they said he was hurt, he said he didn't wasn't hurt. You know, it's a it he's a wild card too. If you can add him to the bullpen. If we could have you know, him from two years ago. Well, yeah. I mean, you, we still have. We didn't even talk about Holder. We didn't talk about 
uh, Chad Green, you know, they have other people in the bullpen that will help, you know, but when Boone goes into a series, he can say, well, you know, we used Britain and Green yesterday. We can now use Batanzas and Adovino, or you can use Holder and Adovino. You know, you can really mix and match yep. what's going on. But, you know, if you notice, the Yankees are on the pitching staff are lefty. Yeah, you know, left heavy. Yeah, they're very left heavy. You know, I mean, you don't know what you're going to get out of CC. I mean, CC's a hefty, uh, heavy lefty. <laughs> no pun intended. But, um, you know, they have a lot of lefties. They have two power lefties in the bullpen. They have, you know, a couple of the Paxton's left-handed. Um, you have uh, CC who's left-handed. So you have two decent left-handed starters. You know, you're not, you know, you don't know what you're going to get out of Sabathia, but. You know, and if you look at the lineup, we talked about this with the other unlisted episode on how they are two right-handed. You know, if they were going to sign a utility guy, they should have signed a switch hitter instead of a DJ LeMayhew, who's another right-handed bat. Um, They have no lefties other than Greg Bird and Brett Gardner. You know, Hicks is a switch hitter. But the meat of their order is going to be heavy right-handed. You know, and I think the Yankees are dying, begging for... Greg Bird to beat out Luke Voigt for the first baseman job in training. I'm rooting for him, man. I'm pulling for the guy. I'm just sick and tired of all the crap. Just, you know, he's a good player. He's a good hitter. He's shown that he can hit in the MLB. What are you sick and tired of? Just the crap, you know, the the excuses for him. Oh, he was hurt. Oh, he was this. Oh, he was that. It's it's. There's no more excuses now. He's got to show up and he has to do his job. I mean, I don't think, I don't think those are lame excuses. I th- he no, was he was but, hurt. He was hurt, but you know what though? I there's a time where you have to draw sand the line in the sand, and this is that year for Greg Bird. I just I, I hear what you're saying. I think he's got to be labeled as just a, a guy who he's very fragile, very fragile, can't really get fully healed the way that he needs to, and like you gotta hope and pray that he doesn't get hurt. Otherwise, you're you're done. You lost him. You know. And by the way, we're watching the NFL All Star Weekend thing, and there's dodgeball right now. Ugh. There's five AFC dudes throwing at Saquon Barkley, and one of those guys is Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck's throwing a fucking dodgeball at you, and Saquon's dodging all of them. He's an animal. Oh, you guys got pegged. Oh, oh he, he caught, caught it. it. He caught it. Oh, but they called him out because Luck nailed him in the, in the foot. Ugh. But before this was a was a a dunk. The 40-yard dash dunk tank. dunk tank. This well, is retarded. This is cool that you're bringing this up because the next thing I wanted to talk about was something that happened this weekend, and it was the NHL All-Star Game. Huh. And how... Wait, the, did, we, did we finish what we were talking about before? No, who gives a shit? Uh, Bottom well, line, Greg Bird needs to step his shit up. No more excuses. This is it for him. DD's got to get healthy because he's another lefty. And Yankees should sign Bryce Harper. End of story. I think so, too. You know, if you can't give me the excuse that Cashman gave me about why they're not going after Harper. But back to your whole Pro Bowl thing here. Yeah. You know, nice little segue. Is the NHL had their skills competition and their all-star game yesterday. And I think that they've finally have figured out this, the problem that all uh, major sports have with their all-star games and their all-star uh, festivities. The skill competition that the NHL put together, they have the fastest skater, they have a safe streak, they have the hardest shot, they have the obstacle course, they had um, 
they have a they had a team one where they did different things you know that stuff is cool it's interesting they had they had the the, the computer technology tracking the pucks and stuff like that and then with the actual game itself they turned an exhibition game into something people want to watch because it's three on three. Yeah. It's division against division. A lot of action. It's a lot of action. It's a lot of scoring. It's fun. And, you know, you look at the other sports, you know, baseball tried to do it with having home field advantage be determined by the winner of the All-Star game. I think that's game. cool, though. But it, you know what, though? It's kind of unfair only, it is. It only is. because the American League is so much stronger than the National League. Uh, the American League always wins. But I think that always that would win kind the, of the, the, the that slight game. advantage that the American League has in terms of their players, it adds to the competitiveness of the game. If the N- if the NL does end up winning, yeah, that's huge for them. So. Yeah, I I understand that, but then you know you look at other All Star games like the NFL. The Pro Bowl is garbage. Oh, it's, it's garbage. It's always been shit. It's yeah, because you know what? You know, players are so worried about getting hurt. I don't players, blame them, and, and I don't blame them either. The game is not played at full speed, and now they're trying with this, with I mean, the this facilities. Is kind of, this is kind of cool. They're playing dodgeball. Dodgeball I, has nothing to do with football. Though. I know, but th- it's cool <laughs> to watch pros go against each other. But if you compare it to hockey, hockey their skill competitions yes. are actually based on exactly. the skills they use in a game. You know, puck handling, passing. You know, you got guys trying to hit a tiny little mini net mm. from the opposite, you know, cross width of the ice, trying to put a little a puck in a mini net. You know, it the precision that it takes, and it, it really shows the skill of those athletes in the NHL. Here, who cares if they could throw a dodgeball? Who cares? I know, but... Who cares if they could throw a football at no, a dunk No, no, I, I understand. No, no, that I, I completely agree with. That was stupid. You know, to fill, but, they running with buckets of water and filling the tank up, and then they're, then they're throwing a target a into... Football. It was almost like a, an activity that I would create for my fucking phys ed class. Yeah. Like run this way twenty times first, and then throw through a target to win. You know, for five year olds, okay. For grown men, it's like, come on, this is silly. Yeah. I think the dodgeball is cool though, to yeah. see these athletes like dodging balls and jumping around. It's cool, but everything else sucks. The game sucks, and I think. Which sport? This is, gonna, this is a nice question. Which sport do you think has All Star Weekend the most right? The NHL. Better than MLB. You know, I think the MLB, if they could do something more with their skill day. Yeah, but outside of the home run derby. But I think it, you're talking lot. about the entire weekend yeah, itself, yeah, yeah. the NHL. Yes. Because the baseball game itself doesn't mean anything, and they haven't found a way to really make it mean something. You know, they tried the 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 World Series home field advantage that didn't work, you know. The and the thing is, is these NA, these NHL skill competitions. If they win it, they get a twenty five thousand dollar bonus for winning it, and they get a bonus for winning the All Star game. I, the Metro won, the Metro Division won, and they get like a million dollars. They split a million dollars between the team. All right, that's cool. You know, so there's money incentive there. I just think that the MLB has the home run derby, and that might be one of the most anticipated skills competitions in the whole world of sports it is it is and you know i'm not but i'm saying it's one compared to six different ones yeah but still those six different nhl skill competitions is not as exciting you don't think as... the shootout challenge is exciting when no, they're no, bringing no. in I the preps think... alexander ovechkin no, a couple years ago with i think the two it's sticks cool i think the, it's cool the sunglasses i think it's cool i just come on man home run derby you know i, don't I mean know. you're gonna see you're seeing fucking Bombs go, and they're not like the MLB. Uh, sorry, the NBA, where the best, you know, home run hitters are sitting out, 
well now well, the some, M- the now M- some of them are but like the NBA is well we'll get to that in a second you got you got the top dogs participating yeah for big, the most part big home run hitters just cranking them out the money goes to they do the, the, the pink ball the charity charity that's nice Century 21 ran that for a while um, the winner the, the winner got a house yeah so maybe the actual game isn't as good as the NHL game I do like the three on three and the NBA All-Star game is a fucking joke. There's no defense. The scores are what? 160 to 150? It's, it's a joke. It's and then the best thing about the NBA All-Star weekend is the dunk contest. And you don't have your stars participating in the dunk contest. It's not what it used to be. No, hell you no. Know, some of the NBA greatest moments was in the dunk contest with Vince Carter and MJ and Spud Webb. You know, the best, the last best dunk contest I sat down and watched was with Nate Robinson when he jumped no. over Spud Webb. No. When he jumped over Spud Webb. Come Webb. on. Come on. No, it was cool, but. The last best def- one I watched. Okay, fine. You know, not That's the best one in history, obviously. There was there was one a couple years ago that was pretty good. But um, they're no name guys. They're guys that are no, like. No, you know six what they man. are? They're dunkers. Mm-hmm. They're strictly dunkers. LeBron has never done that. LeBron's a no, dunker. I, I know. Well, you know. LeBron now, Blake Griffin now barely is, is done. Now is not a dunker. LeBron is no, but I'm everything. saying but when back he came then, up. I mean, he was still a pretty well-rounded player, not as good as he is now. But yeah, it would have been nice to see him participate. But, but I think all that, in- I mean, look, the NBA now is a shooting league. I mean, look what fucking Harden's doing. Yeah, 21 games in a row scoring 30 points at least. Exactly. So. But, but the last thing I want to talk about before we get into our push and pull factors yeah, yeah. is the NHL trade deadline because that's coming up um, relatively quickly. Hmm. And there are a lot of teams now that are starting to... You're starting to see some stories about um, what team is going to trade, what team is going to sell, what team is going to buy. Um, and I believe that there are a lot of different rumors coming around that are, uh, especially for the Rangers, because the Rangers are a team that are are on that cusp of competing and and trading away some of their assets. I think that you know, looking at the Rangers, um, you know, the two top names you're hearing right now are Hayes and 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 Zuccarello. Um, Hayes has been out, and the Rangers have been winning without Hayes. So it kind of shows that Hayes isn't that big of a difference maker, and that kind of hurts his value. But he's a young kid. He's just still on the younger side. Um, if they can work out, if he signs an extension with the team he trades to, the, Yank- the Rangers could get a good pick and maybe a couple of good players for him. Uh, Zuccarello, you know, proven NHL playoff player. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got the hands of a god some of the passes that he's made during his ranger career are ungodly um and the other player that the rangers i can that are is coming up is chris Kreider. and uh, if i had if you had to sit me down and say okay you have to lose two of the three everyone but keep Kreider. i would keep Kreider. hell yeah Kreider, i think is your next captain i hope so man i think Kreider. Kreider is a big bodied center Who's a bull in a china shop? He's got speed. He's a net front presence. He's BDK. big, and I think he's and he's he's part of the solution in the rebuild. He's not part of the pieces you don't need. Um, 
you know, he's been through the war with the teams that were constantly competing for a Stanley Cup, and he's a hard-nosed type of player. He plays with passion. He plays with so much intensity that I think he would make a very good captain. Um, and I would, if I would vote for him to be a captain, if they keep him, I think they should keep him. Um, you know, I think you, as much as it pains me, because Zuccarello is one of my favorite Rangers. Um, I think you're really, if you don't trade him, he's a free agent. So you either have to go to him and say, you know, give him the respect because he's been a career Ranger. Say, what do you want? Do you want to be part of this rebuild? Do you want to sign a deal around the same neighborhood of a contract that you signed, which was four years, $18 million, that's about to expire at the end of the year? Or do you want to be traded to a contender? And then maybe we can revisit each other in the offseason. Uh, like kind of what the Yankees did with Chapman. Um, I think they should do that. Hayes, trade him. You know, he's not, he's a big-bodied center, but he doesn't play big. He's more of a finesse guy. He's more of a pass-first type of guy. He has a good shot, but I think that you could get more value for him on the trade market than keeping him. Um, I think that it's important if you can get, you know, like the Edmonton Oilers right now would be a good trade partner, I think, for the Rangers. They just fired their GM. They don't know what to do. They have a generational talent in Connor McDavid. They have Dreisaitl. They have this team that's built to win now, right? And who knows if Edmonton can even pay McDavid when his when he's getting ready to get paid. So you only have a short window of time. So why not try to make some deals on the Edmonton side and have Hayes or Zuccarello be part of that? And if the Rangers can get one of their young, top-tier level prospects for these guys, I think that that's a win. I think that that's something that I would be ha I would be really happy with. I think I'm it's something that can propel us forward. Um, you know, it was kind of comforting to see Lundqvist this weekend come out and say he wants to be a Ranger for life, how much he appreciates being a Ranger. Yeah, it takes great pride in being a Ranger. He's been there for 14 years, and he wants to finish his career here. He doesn't want to get traded. Love it. So, you know, and he's played well. You know, recently he had a little bit of a downturn, but he's not, he had another all-star year. Um, you know, I know teams are going to be asking for him, but I really don't see... I really don't see the Rangers dealing him because he has that no trade call trade clause. He's going to be 37 uh, in a in a month, in about a month. Um, you know, looking at his numbers now, he's 15 and 12. Uh, he's got a 9.08 save percentage. His goal a goals against average is high. It's 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 three. Um, you know, if you look at his career, he's a 2.39 save for uh, goals against with a 9.19. 0.919 save percentage. Um, you know, his numbers are a little bit higher than what you would like. But you also got to remember he's in front of a young team, young defensive core, um, watching some of watching the games and watching some of the goals that he's letting up. He's got no chance on. He's got no help in front of him. Um, so, you know, that's why his save percentage is so low. You know, you can't just look at a goalie save percentage and say, oh, well, you know, he's not having a good year. And looking at his win and loss record, you got to look at the team in front of him. Um, the year that he won the Vezina, I think he won the Vezina in either 2011-2012 or 2012-2013 when he won his Vezina trophy. Um, 20, 2012. What? 2012. 
2012. It was, so it was 20, the 2011 2012 yeah. season, the yep. year that they lost to the Devils in the conference final. Mm-hmm. That team was nasty. That team. He had 36 wins that year. What was his full? What was the full? He That's was 30, right, 39 wins. 39 wins. So he almost had 40 wins. He was so his save percentage was 0.93, goals against 1.97. Yeah. Fucking. But nasty. if you look at the roster oh, of that shutouts, team, shutouts were eight. You know, and if you look at the team in front of him, though, that team had a, a Ryan McDonough, Dan Girardi when he was good, Mark Stahl when he was good. You know, these these defensemen that. Cleared out the front of the net, gave him a free sight line to the puck. Were responsible defensively, didn't turn the puck over in their own zone, uh, didn't leave him out to dry. You know, as much as the Vezina is a goalie's award for the best goalie, you got to look at the goalies that are winning it and the team that's in front of them. So, you know, I really believe that if the Rangers can walk out of this trade deadline like they did last year, with a lot of draft picks and a few prospects, it's a win. Yeah, and this team. You know, if you look at if you look at the NHL standings and you look at where they sit, you know, they're they're in it. I mean, they're five games out, you know, point total, two points for a win. So they're ten points out about. Um and in the in the Metropolitan Division, right now they're with forty eight games played, they're twenty one and twenty, mm-hmm. twenty one, twenty and seven with forty nine points. And if, you know, the Islanders have six, they're leading the division with 63, the Capitals have 60, the Jackets have 59, uh, the Pens have 58 points. So they're nine points behind the Penguins. They're 10 points behind the Jackets for the third spot in the division, which would guarantee them a playoff spot. Um, they're right there. They're in that area where they're close enough to compete, but they're also far enough away to sell. So, as a Ranger fan who appreciated that team from 2012 through 2016, I would love to see have them have a sustained window rather than a short window by trying to trade to make the playoffs. So, I would rather see them sell at the deadline, gather aspects, let these young players develop even more because their rookies are their rookies are in the lineup every night. They're playing well. Heedle is a stud. Do you see the goal he scored the other night? Mm. You know he's he's there. He he's going to develop to a better player. This the kid in Russia they have is nasty. You know he's putting up points. You love the Russian players. I love the Russian players. Well, the thing, the reason why. The Russian players are so good. There's so many of them. You know, Tarasenko, Malkin, Panarin. You know, these Russian-based players, their scores. Kuznetsov. You're forgetting a big... Ovechkin. <laughs> okay. Ovechkin's in his, his own world. Ovechkin is... is I love watching Ovechkin play. As much as he plays for the Washington Capitals, and I love beating him in the playoffs every year, he is so good. So good, and these Russian players are scorers. And you know, we have our we have a, we had a few in the past. Alexander Kovalev, you know, Alexei Kovalev was one of the was a Russian player that was a goal scorer that was really good for us. You know, Pavel Bore, mm. you know, when he came to the Rangers, he was a shell of himself for what he was in Vancouver and in Florida. But these 
Russian players are proven players. The KHL over in the, the KHL over in Russia is a one of the best professional leagues in the world. And these kids are playing there at 17, 18 years old. And this Russian this Russian kid that they drafted is going to be a very big contributor in the future. And um and even outside of Russia, the the, the kid that they drafted, Kondre Miller in Wisconsin is lighting it up and he's a big body defenseman he's in your pipeline and so he's a freshman he's young that means you know when he comes here he's going to add to that defensive core so the Rangers future they're heading in the right direction and I believe that if they stick to where their their plan and they don't try to make the playoffs where this year, where they sell some of those pieces like they've done in the past, and they tr- they sell their first-round pick like they did when they traded for Yandel and when they traded for St. Louis, I think that if they stay their course, they'll be back in the playoffs maybe next year mm-hmm. for the 2019-2020 season. Yeah. I can see them pr- be more competitive. So you re- it's, it's a year-and-a-half rebuild compared to setting yourself back. So my message is stick with it and just keep moving forward. So... We've covered a lot in this show, and I think it's time to talk about and enter the push and pull um, segment of our show. So I'm going to let you start with your push factor. So what's your push factor for this week? This is a good one. It's going to get you riled up. Let me hear it. It's going to get you riled up. Uh, But it's your push factor, so you talk about it. Yeah, no, no. For those of you that don't know, Puma hates – how baseball is taking an analytics turn uh, with the sabermetrics and all that shit. Uh, and this is right up your alley, buddy. My push factor is an article that I came across on ESPN.com written by Bradford Doolittle. What I, a name. I have nothing against the guy. Dr. Doolittle. Except you know, that he wrote this, this article. He was ranking Hall of Fame members into tiers. Mm-hmm solely based on a number that he calculated uh, using an, algor- an algorithm, all right? Now, I'm using the word algorithm, so you know that's some bullshit. So, um, going back to the article, when I, I read it, and obviously I don't remember every single person, every single tier. I wish I did, because now they made it a ESPN Insider Access only. So I can't even fucking read these tiers right now. But what I do remember is that he had six tiers. The first tier are the best players that he said with these high, the highest of these numbers. Mm-hmm. Okay? Gehrig, Ruth, Mays, just to name a few. Okay. Mantle. Okay? Players like that. Based on those names I just told you, where do you think Joe DiMaggio would fall? Probably, he's got to be in the top 10, top 15. Players all time? Mm-hmm. I agree. So each tier wasn't equally separated. It was just based on these numbers, he had a cutoff. All right? The number that he calculated, he cut off. But what was the, the number actually I, I, it was all. To? It was a number that he just based off of, like, career stats. Okay. All right? And not including playoff stuff. Okay. Yeah. Joe DiMaggio was in tier two. So right away, I was like, what the fuck? Again, we're Yankees fans. 
But that's not the point. No, no, no. I know. He's one of the, he's just straight up one of the best players of baseball ever. And he was in tier two. But tier one was a very small group. It was super exclusive. Fine. Whatever. What pissed me off was that our boy, Mariano, this was before the actual uh, voting and everything. Okay. Mm -hmm. He was like, Mariano is probably going to fall into tier four out of six. Meanwhile, he ends up becoming the the only unanimous vote, uh, vote mm-hmm. ever. Okay, well, and where was Trevor Hoffman? Because Trevor Hoffman was the so second again, best closer. So again, when when the tiers started going higher, the lists of players got bigger. Mm-hmm. And I, I just it was during my lunch break. And I was scrolling through. I didn't read every single name. I hope he's higher than him. He's literally statistically the best closer ever. And then he, he had like a little like uh, narrative attached to each tier. He's like, tier one, oh, these are the, the legendary players, you know, legends of the game. Babe Ruth, uh, right? Okay, fine. But Mariano's the best closer ever. He, he's the best of his position. He's a legend. Why can't he be in tier one? Tier two at the very least. So once I saw that, I pushed that shit away. That's my push factor. So my push factor has to also do with the Hall of Fame vote. And it has to do with the fact that, again, they give these players or these ex-players way too much say in certain things. And you have two players in this year's class um, going in with no logo. Um, They're both totally different situations. Um, Mike Mussina, who is a great pitcher. You know, he deserves to be in, I think. Yeah. Um, best, one of the better pitchers of his time. Uh, the moose is loose. The moose is loose. You know, I remember when he came in as a Yankee um, and in that uh, championship series came in and held the Red Sox down and he was able to uh, hold, hold the Red Sox for the Yankees to come back and, and win the game eventually. But he split his time between the Baltimore Orioles yep. and the New York Yankees. Mm-hmm. So he spent time with two teams. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know exactly how long he he spent. Ten so years. It was uh, ten years with Baltimore and eight years with the Yankees. Yep. So he spent two more years in Baltimore, and he couldn't make a decision. But he he also made five All Star appearances in Baltimore and zero with the Yankees. But with the Yankees, he won his first his final season. He won twenty games. Yeah, and he. And, you know, if you, if the Hall of Fame makes a decision for what team you're going to go in, he probably would go in as an Oriole, which is fine with me. Mm-hmm. I don't care. That's mm-hmm. not the point. It's not me saying, oh, he should go He should go in as a Yankee. That's not why I'm bringing this up. But with Musina, he said he couldn't make a decision, so he's going in with no logo. He's representing both organizations. Okay. But on the flip side of that now, you know, you've had issues with this in the past. Wade Boggs went in as a Tampa Bay Devil Ray. Okay, why? Okay, he won his World Series with the Yankees, and he was a Red Sox before that. Mm-hmm. He should be going in as a Yankee or as a Red Sox. And I think he spent more time, Wade Boggs spent more time with the Red Sox than any other organization. So, they botched it there as well. So, you know, you can't, 
you can't. Oh yeah, by a long shot. You can't give these players that that choice because you know they can't even make the choice for themselves. There should be no reason why a player should go in with no logo. Um, I think that the the writers association should look at the player stats and wherever his best years were as a player, that's where he should go, or the longest tenure team that he was with. Agreed. I don't think that the player should have a choice. Um, I also the other team, the other player this year that's going in with no logo is Roy Roy Holiday. You know, rest in peace. He passed away a couple of years ago in a plane accident. You know, he himself also spent his career with two teams. Um, that is known. Um, I'm not, he he was with Toronto for sure, and he was with Philadelphia. Um, and he. Yep, that's it. His wife came out, came out and said, you know, since it was her decision, because he's not around with, he's not with us anymore, is the choice. You know, she she said, I can't make a choice. It's not in my heart. He's going in with no logo. Um, there's another situation where the writers' association should look at his numbers and say, okay, we're going to. He's going to come in as a Blue Jay. I think he should be a Blue Jay. You know. Blue Jay legend. Yeah. And then you have the organizations coming out. Oh, well, if he was alive, he would go in as a Philly or blah, blah, blah. You know, it's kind of disrespectful to come out and say that because you don't know what he would have chose because he's not here to make that decision. So if you take the emotion out of it and you do it basically on numbers and of where his best years were, it makes the decision easier and these players are going in with the team they should be representing. You know, what if Mariano Rivera came out and said, I'm going to go in with no logo? Like, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. And in, in a way, it's kind of a selfish thing, too, in my opinion. So I really think that it really should come down to the Hall of Fame making the decision for them. Um, because they they write, I don't, not 100% sure, but I don't know if the player has any say on what is said on the plaque. So why are you giving them a right to pick the team? It just doesn't make sense. Hmm. So that's my push factor. You know, I kind of, I kind of don't have, you know, a, a, good feeling with the fact that these players have such control in what team they pick. I think it should be based on numbers and it should be based on where their best years were. Um, I'm, I don't have a problem with them having a choice, but I have a problem with them having the choice of going in empty. Yeah. I don't think they should go. I think you could, they should make. They like, should pick a like team. Like Musina should choose. I, yeah, I want to be represented as a as an Oriole or as a Yankee, but don't let them choose nothing. That's stupid. Yeah. Would you? You didn't play for a fucking team. Yeah, some kid that's gonna go see his plaque one day. Oh, what? What team did this guy play for? Oh, I don't know. It doesn't say. There's no logo on the cap, even though it probably will say what how long he was with each team on the plaque, but. You know these kids. I'm just saying. You know, I know what you understand. I understand what you're saying, and you know, these people probably don't sit down and read every plaque that's in the Hall of Fame. But um, we, before we, we um, end the show, we still got to talk about our pull factors. So, what is what is your pull factor? Yeah, my pull, my pull's a heavy one. Okay. It's something I've been following all week, actually. It's a soccer one, so we're going a little out of the realm. Okay. Uh, deals with a player named Emiliano Salah. 
or Salah, because there's a guy, Mohammed Salah, he's Egyptian, but he spelled it differently. This guy's Argentinian. So he was a forward for a French team, FC Nantes. I think that's how you say it. That's, that's my best attempt at French. <laughs> he was bought by a small English Premier League team called Cardiff City, who are based out of Wales. And this team does not have a lot of money. They don't buy big-name players, and this guy was one of the leading scorers in the French League. Cardiff drops a club record $15 million to buy this guy. They are fighting out of the relegation zone, trying to stay up so they can keep getting more money. Guy posts on every social media platform is... <laughs> His excitement to join his team has a jersey in his hand. He says goodbye to his teammates, gets on the plane, and disappears. He disappeared on January 21st. They lost track of the plane that he was on. It it disappeared in the English Channel. So Nantes, I think, is in West France, and he was going to fly up to Cardiff in Wales. So they cross over the ocean. And the plane, I guess, crashed. They lost track of it. They spent two days looking for him. They can't find him. They called off the search. And, you know, the so the soccer world was kind of upset because they felt that the most effort wasn't done to go find this guy. And current players like Messi, who's a countryman of, of Salah, Gave, donated their own money for a private search. $300,000 was raised to continue a search and resume searching for this guy uh, in the plane. The pilot is also missing. Nobody knows what happened. Um, so I have a lot of like mixed feelings with this. Is like I was so intrigued because, one, the timing of it is, is really strange. Uh-huh. This club spent a lot of money on this guy, and now he disappears. It's kind of fishy. Um, and I hope they find that guy. He deserves to be found. Um, is Mariano Rivera. Yeah. Mariano Rivera, first, first player ever to be anonymous. Unanimous. Unanimous. I'm sorry. Unanimously a vote voted into the Hall of Fame. And, you know, were there other players that should have been 100% that didn't before him? Yes, of who, course. Who do you think? But, you know, I mean, if you're talk, you were talking about legends before, you know, Mays, Aaron, Babe Ruth, you know, those. I don't know how they the could The Mount not. Rushmores of baseball yeah, should be 100%. How, I don't know how they could not. You know, yeah. Griffey was close with 98. Griffey was close. He should have been 100 too. And, you know, I don't understand how... You know, like I said, it even goes back to the free agency. Everybody finds something wrong with somebody, okay? And Mariano played for 19 seasons. He started in '95 and played to 2013. He played from the 20 from 25 all the way to 43. Um, he is the all-time leader in in games finished with 952. He's got 652. Um, saves and he also holds the record for ERA plus which is adjusted to the player's ballpark it's a stupid sabermetric thing <laughs> with 205 um 
And then in the playoffs, his record in the playoffs was uh, he had one loss. He was 8-1 and one in 16 years. Um, he was dominant for his entire career, mm-hmm. even at 43. I still think he can show up today and pitch. Yeah, he's in great shape. Um, and I really think that he deserves to be a pitcher that is that was a hundred percent he had he was he's a he's a legend you know like with jeter next year jeter's gonna get inducted next year is he gonna be a hundred percent he might be the next one but you know i would i would think he should be but, but there's I, gonna be a writer that's gonna find something wrong with his defense or with something oh, but my pull factor is the fact that mariano a guy who deserves it he had a good career, was never in trouble, always did the right thing, 100%, first one to do it, and that's it. Big church guy. Big church guy. Built it, built, built churches in Central America, you know, really big. You know, in the in our area, he owns car services. He's very – I, I, I ran into him in Dick's Sporting Goods. He comes by Surf Club all the time. You know, he's very personable, very friendly. I have his autograph. I met him in person, too, a couple of multiple times. And I think that, you know, he deserves it, and I'm happy for him. And, you know, I, I don't care what what anybody says. I think that it's important that, you know, a guy with a decorated career as he had uh, was able to get the 100% vote. Uh, so, with that being said, is there anything that is non-sports related that you want to get into really, really quickly before we wrap up here? Well, I mean, uh, could you call it non-sports? Because I saw this on ESPN+. Plus. Well, I mean, it's not major sports. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, I came across the USA Pizza Team Championship. And I, when I saw the tab, I said, what the fuck is this? I got to watch it. And boy, I am glad I watched it. Yeah. ESPN Plus, ESPN yeah, 8, the I Ocho. Like I, was, I feel like I was in ESPN 8, the Ocho. Uh, pizza Team Championship was, the first event was dough stretching. Where these guys, these pizza guys are stretching the dough. You know, they're putting the flour on, they're rolling it out, they're fucking wiggling around. Mm-hmm. And the, the commentators are like actually analyzing. Like, oh, yeah, look how he's working the fingertips. Look how he's working the edges. Oh, wow, that's great technique. And then like they're tossing up in the air, getting it stretched out. It was actually pretty crazy how big they were making these fucking these pizzas mm-hmm. but they have a certain amount of time to get it as big as possible and then they measure it when they put it down and the guy that stretched the biggest wins and then they had the aerials where these guys were flipping the dough right <laughs> flipping it spinning it but dude they were this was actually pretty cool they were like jumping in the air putting it through their legs while it's fucking spinning it's crazy I saw that on fucking ESPN Plus. Oh God! Right. They're running out of things to cover at this point. You have Pizza League stuff. I remember we had a Pizza League in the camp I had, but that was just a kickball tournament. Oh, this is but, actual pizza um, making. Something that's non-sports related for me that is coming up soon, and we're definitely going to be giving, uh, definitely giving airtime to this is softball's right around the corner. Oh yeah. And the Purple Cobras have a title to defend this year, and. You know, last year we were 15 and two, and you know it's really getting time to get excited. And you know what? I think once we start the season, we should do game recaps sometimes at the end of the show, <laughs> we can do it. just to shout out some of the guys that are on the team. A lot of the guys that are on the team is are from high school friend, they're high school friends, they're town friends, and you know it's 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 a team that Chen's and I are a part of, and we're so we're so happy that you know we get to be a part of it, and um, 
you know, that's it starts in a couple of months. You know, mm-hmm. we have that meeting next week, uh, and it's exciting. So, with that being said, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. We look forward to seeing you guys next week. Make sure to, to smash the subscribe button on YouTube and on Apple Podcast. Um, also, be sure to follow us on Twitter at WTUTURIM. Okay, if you have any questions, you can send us an email at who do you think you are? I am podcast at gmail.com. You know, if you want to ask us any questions, we're going to start a mailbag as we generate questions. Uh, we'll add that to the show. Um, so be sure to look out for us. We look forward to hearing from you. And Chen, do you want to add one more thing before we sign off? I just have one thing to ask you. Who do you think you are? I am. Goodbye, everybody.